It is Locked on Jazz for the 12th of January. A review of the Donovan night. Why it was important to Donovan and to our city and to our franchise. A fight win. One that's earned over games and games of fight. And a bunch of late game watching and some new trends in the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan Each and every day, thanks so very much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. You can join the community and chat on YouTube each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please subscribe or follow. And if you're on YouTube, hit that bell so you get notified every time we go live with postcasts after games as well as whenever we post. Well, I apologize for yesterday. I had no power. Um, For any of you who live up here, the Park City School District was shut down. So we didn't get power. Once my day got started, the show didn't happen. That's always how it works. So I uh, apologize for that. What a bummer because it was such a great night. But we can review it. Luckily, we have two days off. I would say two days off is like the greatest thing in the world. Um, last night, just to be able to watch the league, hang out, uh, not have to prep for a game uh, is a nice change. Usually just the grind continues. So that's th- those two days off are good. Tomorrow night's game should be really fun. Orlando's, I just watched them in a late game watch, so I'll... Uh, touch on them tonight, today, but Orlando's on two days off on the road coming off a of back-to-back, so we should get a really fresh, good game on Friday with a bunch of exciting young players. Should be should be a super fun one. All right, um, I wanted to get back to the Donovan night. Uh, it was great. I mean, great game, great atmosphere, super reaction to Don, uh, and it was really important. I mean, the first half of that game, I actually texted Travis Henderson, our Emmy Award-winning producer and director, like, that was as perfect a half as you could get. We were tied at 55. I think we'd had, like, 18 lead changes. Donovan had 25. It had been great. We had battled with them. Uh, So just from a basketball standpoint and storyline, it was just a perfect night. I also think it was a really, really important night for the Utah Jazz for a lot of reasons. I thought the night was important to Donovan. The one thing I just thought wasn't talked about coming into the night... Was it actually Donovan cared? And I could tell when I talked to him very briefly pregame and just his atmosphere pregame and the fact that he came early and that he, he he brought a private car over to get into the arena early and broke his regular routine to take it in from a visiting standpoint. He happened to see his uh, video tribute early. Um, he was in the building while they were running the test of it and he saw it early, which is probably perfect. Uh, so he got to take it in without having to, you know, that weird moment on the court where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm with another team. I, I don't want to act like I'm so cool, kind of awkward thing. He, he actually just got to take it in. Um, but I think the night was really important to Don. And I, I do think that was the one thing that wasn't talked about before. He cared about his time here. He built his first life out of college here. He, he had the, the guts to kind of step out a little bit here. Um, he became a star here. And so for him to have... That warm reception, kind of actually even louder after the game when he left. Jazz fans had won. They were in a great mood. And as he was leaving the court, there was a a really, really loud ovation for him. I thought that was 
maybe the most important moment of the night in that the it was an important night to Salt Lake City. It was an important night to the All-Star Game. It was an important night to the Jazz franchise. And the Jazz franchise did some things really, really well as a group for that night. When the play, tribute video was played, the reminder to fans of our code of conduct earlier, you know, they played, instead of the first quarter, they played the video right before the starting lineups, which set the tone for the starting lineups. It was just super well done. And it was... and. And so I think it was great for Donovan. I do think it was really important for us as a franchise. We have the fan issue with Russell Westbrook. That's in our past. It's real. We can't deny it. It happened. We can all sit here and say that's not who we are. It's only one person. I'm with you on that. You can't deny it. But there are too many stories, right? Like there are former coaches to this in this franchise who've had incidences in the crowd, whose parents have had incidents in the crowd. It's talked about a lot in the league about what people experience in Utah. It's talked about. Is it fair? You guys can decide that. I'm telling you the facts. The facts are it's talked about. The facts are Utah Jazz, like, it has happened, okay? So the eyes were on us to watch and see how a guy who gave himself to the franchise really was incredibly outstanding going to barbecues on 4th of July around town incredibly community involved, giving back millions and millions of dollars over his early part of his career. And yes, outspoken at times on issues of bullying and suicide and support and not even outspoken, just supportive. They were, people were watching. The league was watching. The, the, the NBA was watching and it was dealt with correctly. It was super important for our franchise. I think it was important for our city too. Right, Ryan Smith talks about we're the fastest growing city. We're not the same as we were. We're evolving. We had to show that. At some point, it's all talk. You have to show these things. And we did. And I think it was super important for the All-Star game. We kind of got a gift in that Donovan's game was before the All-Star game. Rudy's game was before the All-Star game. Those storylines will still exist here in February. Well, it won't be for Rudy because I don't think he's coming. But for Donovan's return will be a storyline, but it won't be the storyline of how will he be received, the the race overriding race issue that has been talked about around him so much, it, I think will allow there to be a celebration of basketball. We'll see. But the timing was good for that. So that was a really important night. I think for Donovan, I think that's like untalked about, but also a really, really important night for the Jazz franchise moving forward, trying to show that they that they've they've turned some pages that are is different for our city and the kind of the, there's a tenor and a, and a and a talk that about things that you can again you can listen to this and decide whether it's right or wrong. That's up to you. I'm telling you the facts that that's what's talked about, right? Like. That's what's talked about. That's what people have experienced. That's a lot of what the league is said inside the league. So when we talk about these things and that's it's and I say it's important and you're like, well, that's not my experience. I don't believe. Okay, I'm great. Then you can disagree with the premise of what's talked about. I would tell you probably shouldn't, but you can. And I can tell you that was important. So great night. Uh, really out, really great on every level. And from a basketball standpoint too, that was, you know, I got texts from friends who were at the game. That's the most fun I've ever had at a game. That's the best game I've ever been to. Um, that was so, you know, 
that was peak. The crowd reaction when Jordan Clarkson hits the shot, not the threes, but to put us up four with about 50 seconds left, was as loud as I have heard on any crowd all season other than maybe, it was with 40.9 seconds left, other than maybe the stunned reaction at the end of the Golden State game or, frankly, the Lowry mark in three, but that ended so quickly because we all realized it probably didn't count or it might not count. Um, The crescendo of noise when Clarkson hits that shot with 40.9 seconds left, Donovan then comes up, misses a three right away. We get the, in Utah, there's a, the ball goes out of bounds and we're inbounding with thir- that, that 10 second stretch of crowd was just, it was awesome. Uh, it was, to me, it was, we're going to do all the right things, but we really, really, really want to win this game. Like we, it's great that Donovan's doing well. We like him. We're appreciative, but we really want to win this game. And uh, that, that was, that was awesome. So tip of the hat to everyone. I said it on the broadcast at that moment in time. A lot of people were wearing 45 in their back, but everyone was rooting for their front. Um, it was a cool night. So apologize we didn't get the show yesterday really beyond my control. Um, there's been a lot of snow. We've lost, we've lost power a lot. It's pretty crazy. It is about as beautiful here this morning as it has been on any morning I've seen here, by the way, if you're out and about. Uh, what an incredible place to live. This is just, it is so gorgeous here. First thing this morning with the sun rising and the mountains and the glistening of the white snow. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, anyway, let's get to the basketball game because I actually thought there were a bunch of things about that win that were really important. Uh, and we'll jump into those, um, including something the Jazz have done all season long, which finally paid off the evolution of Lowry and some interesting Will Hardy moves. Uh, in that ball game as well. So we'll have all those as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends or Intercap Lending. <clears throat> that is the great Steve Carter. I think you've probably heard about Steve Carter a little bit from me uh, if you've been a longtime listener of the show. If you're new to the show, Intercap is a uh, lending company that started, It's in, it's been around for a long time. In April of 2016, which now seems like a long time, they've been advertising with us for like six years now. It's pretty great. They Josh Romney bought them, moved them to Utah, they were headquartered in Utah and they had two branches. And then in like a year, they were up to 15. And by 20, midway through 2019, they beat all of 2018. I think they started advertising with us in 2018. And now they're just rolling. And they do such great things for their clients. The first thing, they're hyper-responsive. They embrace change. Super borrower experience. We do our, I did our loan with them. And we have our own personal loan officer, Steve Carter, who is just the best. There's no one I can so confidently recommend to you any more than Steve Carter. You can call him at 385-800-8528, 385-800-8528, or just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll lead you to him directly. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Visit intercaplending.com. Let me just give you one thing that make sure if you talk to Steve right now, you should ask him about. Is Intercap's doing a really neat... Um, program that I want to make sure that you know about and that you get involved in. And that is, um, they have a brand new program called FreeFi. What that is with the interest rates going up right now, this program is for anyone who buys a house with Intercap from now until March of 2023. We'll have the ability when interest rates dip to take advantage of a refi, they'll waive all lender fees for the refi. Now that means um, they'll cover 
all the processing, all the underwriting, it does, they do want to make sure you understand that you still would have taxes and insurance and title fees from the title company. Um, but they really want to help you out buying a house right now. And the way they'll do it is your refinance is valid until March of 2025. So it's free five. If you talk to Steve Carter, 385-800-8528. Make sure you tell him about Locked On and part of the Locked On uh, to get that. Uh, that's all over at Intercap Lending. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks does a 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's over at Prize Picks. It's fun, it's easy to play, a great way to get involved, make the night of watching a little bit more fun if your favorite team is or is not playing. Uh, you pick over uh, between two and uh, six players, you choose their over-under on their performance. You're not competing against other people. You're just competing against the computer or against the lines uh, on that. So it's an easy, simple game. You can make your picks in 60 seconds or less safe and fast and easy withdrawal. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% deposit match for up to $100. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks gets you $150, you get $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps for your second listen today, Locked On Sports Today. All right, let's get into last night, the win against Cleveland, and get back onto the basketball court. Um, Here's the thing that I love about this win. It's about fight. And that's what the Jazz have done all season long, is they have fought, 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 and fought. And recently, they've not been getting dividends for it. And the impressive thing is that they keep fighting. Um, and they keep putting out that kind of effort on a nightly basis, and they that's they finally got rewarded for it. The seven play sequence is once you know it took like almost a miracle for it to happen. There's a but there's one thing that's worth mentioning on that. The Clarkson three in which he's fouled by Levert that leads to the flagrant foul that leads to the seven point play comes on a second chance opportunity. So the Jazz rebound, Clarkson's missed already on that possession. He, the offense is absolutely stagnant. Nothing's going right at this point. Nothing is, and he throws up a total prayer air ball, and the ball ricochets off the hands of the Cavaliers out of bounds, and the Jazz get an extra chance. And they, you know, the ball ricochets off the Cavaliers' hands. It wasn't like somebody did an awesome job of like creating a tip or this or that. It was a bad shot that awkwardly came off the rim. But give you enough chances, keep fighting, keep trying, keep staying engaged, and things happen. And I thought that was I thought that was a pretty, you know, kind of symbolic to who they are. And they and they deserve a lot of credit for it. There were a bunch of Will Hardy moves in that game that were interesting. Uh, first was the starting lineup. So, Kelly Olenek is out. So, the first thing that seems logical is you move Walker Kessler into the starting lineup, which is exactly what he did. But he also then bumped Jared Vanderbilt out of the starting lineup, coming off one of his better games, and put Malik Beasley in. Well, there's a real logic to this. And the logic is that Walker Kessler and Jared Vanderbilt on the floor together are minus 11 per 100 possessions. Interestingly and strangely, they have scored. They have not defended at all. 
They're horrendous defensively together, which you would think they actually would be the other way around. So it's not a big sample size, but it's intuitive that it doesn't really work together. So very easily, Will Hardy could have just said, well, then I'm just going to put Malik Beasley in for Kelly Olenek and have Jared Vanderbilt start with Lowry Markkinen in that circumstance. But there is a movement here of like, let's get Walker, let's let Walker's development continue. And he's earned the time. These aren't free minutes. Let's see what we can do. The other thing is that Jared Vanderbilt and Lowry Markkinen without Kelly Olenek and without Walker Kessler has been horrendous defensively. Horrendous. Like a 125 in the first percentile, minus five overall. So there was some data analytics that was used correctly here on lineup that you're beginning to get big enough sample sizes in some of these that they matter. There was the right move to allow, you know, if Kelly's out, let's let Walker play center. And so now you're playing Walker with Lowry. And then the other one is that's kind of an interesting one is that Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, and Jordan Clarkson, which is kind of a grouping that I think we thought would spend some time together on the floor this year um, and has probably spent a little less time than we thought on the floor together, is really good together. We're in the 99th percentile offensively with Conley, Beasley, and Clarkson on the floor together. So it, it was interesting to see, like, I think there was a lot, it's not good defensively, but it's great offensively. And it's plus four overall per 100 possessions, which is pretty good if you're a 500 team to have a lineup that's four plus four. Um, I think you're seeing like a little bit of, okay, like, let's, all right, Kelly Linux out. Sounds like he'll be reevaluated in a week. Um, let's, let's figure out, like, let's, let's not just do the plug and play. Let's actually do, let's, let's use some things. And I thought that was kind of an insight to one, the use of analytics, good use of analytics and two, uh, the ability for the jazz, you know, of, of Will Hardy's kind of willingness to just not go, okay, I'm plugging this peg into this spot. I'll actually step back and we'll reform this because it's going to be a little period of time. Um, and Kessler played 30 minutes. Uh, it was interesting in the pregame, uh, one of the things that Will Hardy said about Walker is one of his developments is that right now he's boxing out really, really well, but he's not going to get rebounds. That sometimes in this league, you actually just put a hip on somebody and then you go up and get the rebound. He had 11 boards in 30 minutes, seemed better at that. Lowry Markkinen was a beast. This dude is just a beast. He has got a fight level to him that is much higher than anyone anticipated and way bigger than what he was labeled as before he got to us. I mean, crazy level of fight and commitment on things. He had 16 boards the other night, and this was another example of Lowry Markkinen's adaptation to his own game throughout a night. So, he Cleveland is really, really good defensively. They were not as good defensively in that game because Jared Allen goes out, but they're really good defensively. And they take away... Markkinen's three. They, they, it's abundantly clear by the end of the first quarter, like, okay, Lowry got a three off in that quarter, but they're not giving him enough space to get threes. He gets another one off in the second. He gets another one off in the third. Like, they're just not, it's not there for him. And so he is now trying, he's got to play a power game and a drive game, and he's, this is not his, like, this is where he's evolving. And they've got Evan Mobley in the middle of the lane, and they are clogging the paint, and it is super hard for the Jazz to get good looks around the basket and finish and get to the rim in this game. And Lowry's struggling badly to get there. Like, he's driving and getting cut off 
and even at seven feet tall, and he hasn't quite figured out where to create a shooting window along the way. And in the fourth quarter, he goes 0 of 6 shooting. Like, so that's pretty much a disaster, except for he goes 6 of 6 from the line, and he gets nine rebounds, three of them offensively. Now, our rebounding in the quarter was not super great. It was pretty good. Um, Actually, it was super great. They only got one offensive rebound in the entire fourth quarter on 10 chances. So we, a team that does not defensive rebound great, we went to a 90% defensive rate. Sorry, I missed a note there. Um, And Markinen had six of our nine defensive rebounds. Like, you talk about a winner. Like, here's a guy who's winning games by scoring 49, though we lost that game, but winning games by scoring 30-plus, right? Doing that... On this night, he wins it with power and rebounding. And his effort level was exemplary. He played as hard as I've ever seen him play that night. Against Cleveland, probably part of it. Untalked about storyline of that game. But he was sprinting the floor. There was a moment at the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter where there's a timeout and he is literally grabbing onto his shorts because he is exhausted. Um, Absolutely exhausted. And there's still 10 minutes to play in the game. Um... This was a game where both teams had a hard time getting to the rim. Both teams defending. The Jazz did a really nice job of only allowing Cleveland 24% of their shots at the rim that night. Uh, forced Cleveland to pretty much won this game because Cleveland took 38% of their shots as mid-range shots. Cleveland made a lot of them, shot them pretty well, but denied the good-look threes and denied the rim defensively with Walker and with uh, Lowry on the floor for a lot of that game. So kind of an interesting mix and match, and I, and I just thought Lowry's fight there um, was awesome. Um, that was a game we usually lose. We, if you look at our stats and trends, uh, we have to outshoot someone from the three-point line by a little bit of a decent margin to beat them. I would guess we have not won a lot of games this year where our three-point shooting was below 30%. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, in fact, I would guess that was our first. I could probably look it up really quickly. Uh, and the fact of the matter is they only shot, you know, defensively, we did a nice job holding them down. But that is... That was a nice win in that also it was not a game that we usually win. And I, and I'll, I think that's I think that's a kind of a sign of development, little tiny signs of development as this team keeps going. There was a fight level to that, that. That team, there was, I thought, you know, on the last road trip, it did feel as though there were some things that kind of got a little loose. And the Jazz, and I thought that you saw the Jazz um, play a little tighter and, and a little more focused. The Jazz coming into the night, if they shot 31% or lower, were 1-11, one win, 11 losses. The only win coming on against Houston on like the fourth game of the season, we shot 29% from three. If we shoot below 34% coming into the game, we were 2-15 with a win against New Orleans and that win against Houston. So that is truly a game we don't usually win. That was our fourth worst three-point shooting night of the year, and and we got it. Kind of great. Cleveland's an interesting model for us, by the way, as we look at kind of moving forward as a franchise. Um, And we should, you know, we talked about it last time, but their draft record is that they they hit on two, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. They missed on Isaac Okoro with an early pick, probably missed on Colin Sexton, um, or at least used Colin Sexton to move, but probably goes a little bit as a miss. Uh, made some really good trades with the assets at assets that they had um, to be able, you know, to go get Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen. Um, they're sh- sh- desperately short a shooter right now, um, 
but they're an interesting kind of model for us as we look at how we're building our franchise um, and what they've done. But they, you know, they had four drafts in the top 10. Sexton was an eighth pick. Darius Garland was a big win at a fifth pick. Isaac Okoro was a fifth pick, was a, probably a loss. His minutes have dropped 10 minutes per about every season. Evan Mobley's a big win with a third pick, and then they used the 14th pick of last year along with that eighth pick of Sexton over to go get Donovan, and they're really good. And they've got, they've got this thing. They're one or two pieces away from being really, really good. Um, but it took, you know, it took them four drafts. It's probably, again, something for us to watch as a model for us to win, but it also meant enduring 19-19-22, so three seasons of, uh, after LeBron left of, of really tough times. All right, let's, um, let's do late game watch. I'll, uh, I go back and watch all the close games in the NBA, or try to, every single close game. Uh, watch the final seven. I'm kind of backed up to nine for broadcast purposes, and we try to see what trends are going on in the league. And what's taking place, and we'll do that as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at betonline.net. Betonline.net, where the game starts. Odd news, scores, and more for all of you at betonline.net. Get into the action, have some fun, enjoy it all. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, analysis, the latest odds and trends for every professional Amateur league out there, playoff NFL weekend. Some big lines out there to play with if you get involved with that. Uh, the Seahawks are a 11 or now down to nine and a half point dog against the 49ers. Two and a half uh, Chargers are a two and a half point favorite going to Jacksonville. Buffalo is a 13 point favorite over Miami. Vikings three point favorite at home against the Giants. Cincinnati eight and a half point favorite over the Ravens as we don't know about Lamar and. Dallas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite Monday night going to Tampa Bay uh, for that one. Tonight in the NBA, uh, we actually have about five, six ball games. The headliners, Dallas, a three-point favorite going to L.A. Miami, who finds a way to win, is a three-point favorite against Milwaukee tonight, which is a little surprising how injured they are, but they figured it out. And Boston and Brooklyn's the headliner tonight. Boston, a two-and-a-half-point favorite with no Kevin Durant in that one. That's over all at betonline.com. Now, today's show also brought to you by friends over at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is Built Bar with incredible macros for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years you've been talking about going to Built.com. It's still available for you, but now your local Walmart and your sand clubs are there as well. Head to the nearest Walmart today. Walk in the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And Sam's Club has the 13-bar box for you uh, with brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later for those two flavors. They are absolutely fabulous. It's all at Built at Sam's Club and Walmart now. Also at Built.com. Promo code Locked On still works for you over at Built.com. Thanks so very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On NBA has game to game for you. After each game. All right, let's go through a bunch of late game uh, fun stuff. So this has been kind of my experiment all year. I'm watching the final seven minutes of every close game. I try to catch up. Uh, We're going to work backwards. I did not get to. There's three games last night I did not get to. Chicago. I'll try to do them tonight. Chicago versus Washington. Milwaukee versus Atlanta. And Indiana versus the Knicks. Um, But I have some Knicks stuff. So OKC Miami I got last night. You know one thing that I think is wildly underrated in the league is fast break contests at the rim. 
If you actually just watch fast break, one-on-one, somebody gets back to the rim, just holds themselves at the rim, they get a remarkable amount of stops. They really do. They get a remarkable amount of stops. Oklahoma City's really good at it last night. If there's one guy back, it's actually not that many guys in the NBA that are, Jimmy Butler, for example, missed on the play I'm thinking about. There aren't that many guys that are actually so elite athletically they can just rise over the top of one guy. Too often, guys try to stop the ball at 15 feet. And then they beat you, and then they get the layup. Get all the way back to the rim. You saw it last night. Oklahoma City does it really, really well. Um, Miami was really limited in this game. Uh, the uh, This was actually uh, the night before his game on the 10th. So these are the two games on the 10th. I missed, didn't get last night's game. Uh, they were really limited. Miami, they don't have Tyler Hero. They didn't have Bam out of Bayou. And somehow they won this game. I, I don't know. They went 40-40 from the free throw line. They were down five late. Oladipo hits a three. There's no way they should win it. Interesting thing, I'm seeing more and more of his teams denying the switch. So Dort's on Butler, and they're just not going to... Miami's running everything they can to try to get the switch, and they're, they're not going to let it happen. I think the only... On the ball, the, the opening picks and the slips are too soft, and so teams aren't getting that switch. You're going to have to bring your guy... If you're trying to really get the switch, you're going to have to bring him from off the ball. I think you're going to see more and more of that as the, as the season goes on. Um, unless people don't care. The other one is that both these teams are playing with non-shooters late. Boy, it makes it impossible. I mean, Shea's only shot available is a step back three and Butler had nowhere to go without the three late because he's had Kane on the floor and, and Vincent who aren't really good shooters. The Oklahoma City's use of Josh Giddy is really interesting. I find Josh Giddy one of the most fascinating players in the league. He really can't shoot. So Miami's not guarding him at all. I mean, they're just not guarding him and he moves well enough without the ball that he gets into open places. He's a release valve for him. He has a triple-double. He makes a bunch of passes. He does hit a little flip shot on the baseline, um, but he really can't shoot. So nobody's guarding him, which makes it really hard for Shea to drive. But at the same time, every time they get in trouble, he's their outlet, and then he can distribute. So it's it's curious to watch over time how they how they use him and whether or not it becomes an issue or not. I'm, I'm totally unclear on whether what it's going to be. Uh, Orlando-Portland. Orlando, our next opponent to this was interesting. Franz Wagner is their go-to guy. Like, Paulo Boncaro is nice, and he's really good, and he's going to be great. Um, And actually looks like his body could get into better shape. But Franz Wagner is unbelievable in this game for Orlando. He is a, like, because I think he's in, he's not talked about enough because of the fact that he's in Orlando, and he's, you know, he's probably, you know, he's Franz Wagner, whatever. Like, it's not, he's not a big name talked about player in this league. They just turned it over to him, and... This kid is six foot nine. He's 21 years old. He was the eighth pick of the 2021 draft. And so he's in his third year and he is, or in his second year, and he is making a massive jump right now. He has gone from 15 points to 20 points a game. This kid is going to be a star. In the game against Portland, they've had him one playing ISO and two playing pick and roll. And he ISOs Eubanks on a switch and just beats him to the basket. He runs the pick and roll. They score twice. He makes all the right plays and swings when he wants to. And then he's playing pick and roll and he just pulled for three at 6-9. Like, bona fide. They've got two bona fide stars in Orlando, finally, after all these years. And Franz Wagner is one of them. He's shooting 49% from the field, 35% from three for the second straight year. He's going to line now twice as much as he used to at 86%. His assists are up and he's averaging 20 a game. This dude is... He was... He won the game for them against Portland. Dame looks great, by the way. Dame looks like he's back. That was Orlando's first win on a back-to-back all year. 
Um, Gary Harris came into guard. Lillard did an okay job. Portland had to start hard showing on their picks to get Wagner and because Wagner, Wagner was just lighting them up. Um, and actually worked pretty well for Portland. This was one of better Portland's games. I've watched some games Portland late where I have no idea what they're doing. Uh, this was better. Um, interesting. Down three with 22 seconds left and a timeout. They played it perfectly. They they threw it in the backcourt to Dame. He accelerates. Defense doesn't want to foul. He goes all the way into the lane like he's going for layup. Defense collapses. They rotate it out. Jeremy Grant gets a wide open three. He airballs it. And then they, they get an extra opportunity. They miss again and a third opportunity to get it. So Portland actually closed it. You know, with 22 seconds left, down three with a timeout, you can go for the two, and they did, and they got the defense to collapse. They played that really, really well. Um, the story on this one, though, is Franz Wagner. Uh, Portland closed, or Orlando closed with uh, interesting lineup. Markel Fultz with Gary Harris, Wagner, Boncaro, and Wendell Carter. Um, they had Cole Anthony in the game for a little while, and then Harris came in for him. Portland's closed, switching. They always close with Lillard, Simmons, Grant, and Hart, and then they're switching Eubanks and Nurkic depending on the circumstance. And when they have to hard hedge with Nurkic, that is not a good look. Uh, January 9th game, Bucks knicks This one I want to talk about um, because Giannis did something really interesting. Giannis set two picks that changed the game. And, like, that's, that's superstar stuff. I, I don't know if he always does it, but he set two picks in this game that changed the game. Um, and they actually used Joe Ingles... Giannis was relying on Joe Ingles late in this game. Joe had a fabulous game, but they literally, uh, Giannis at the top of the key, calls for the hang up, handoff to Ingles. Ingles comes and gets it. Now Ingles is coming to his left hand, and Giannis is rolling. It's a really nice play. It's exactly why they signed Ingles. It's exactly what they wanted to do. He lobs it to Giannis, and Giannis dunks. Um, New York did a better job the next few times off of it. Um, they were closing with Holiday, Connaughton, Ingles, Giannis, and Lopez. Holiday, who had a bad night, went bananas late, but he, he gets both those plays from picks from Giannis. Giannis sets two awesome picks. Drew hits a huge three off a handoff on an inbound where Giannis picks and then Giannis uh, makes another. The only thing I'd say about Milwaukee, their play calling late is really strange. They have a beautiful play where um, Holiday and Giannis run a pick and roll at the top. Holiday's driving with the right hand. Giannis is rolling down the left side of the lane and Brooke Lopez is in the right strong side corner. Is a good three-point shooter. And the big is then occupied with with Lopez and the big ass to the side, am I cutting off the Drew Holiday roll or am I leave, and leaving Lopez or am I staying to Lopez and then Drew Holiday gets to the rim and it's seemingly an unstoppable play and Milwaukee does not run it very often. They ran it and then the next time down, Giannis calls for Ingles and then the next time down, they're running other stuff. So Milwaukee's late game stuff is a little funky to me on who they're going to, when they're going to it. Um, the other one I would say on this game is... Boy, you want Julius Randle to be good, and he just uh, he just he's going ISO on Giannis, and just he's got so many skills, and he puts up so many good numbers, and you just want to believe, and he's like a poor man's Giannis, and he just does not make winning plays at all for the Knicks. Br- uh, Brunson was unbelievable in this game. He torched Drew Holiday as one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, Jalen Brunson has been great. Uh, final one to look at is January eighth game, Atlanta Clippers, and I just want to talk about this because. Um, I mean, Atlanta is one of 19 in this when trailing by five going in the fourth. Teams are having a really hard time closing games in this league. Um, I just didn't like what I saw from the Clippers at all. Now, they turn around and win two nights later, I think, in a really big win, and then I think they might have even won last night. But they um, – what did they – who did they beat? Uh, they beat Dallas 113-101 the next time out. Um, so, you know, who am I to say? But it really, in this game, felt like – 
Paul George isn't playing, so maybe that's part of it. But they're just going to Kawhi, and he's playing ISO at a level in which everyone else is just like sitting around, um, and they're trying to get Trey on Kawhi, and Kawhi's just so dominating. Like, it just doesn't feel like anyone else is out there playing for the Clippers, that they're all just kind of playing off Kawhi. And usually that works, but it it just felt, you know, very stagnant, very disconnected. Um, I didn't like what I saw. I'm, I've been kind of waiting on the Clippers, still kind of believing the Clippers. I talked about that the other day, but... But I, I, I got to say, this one was disappointing to me. Now, Atlanta won on an 11-0 run. Trey Young made a bunch of plays. And, um, you know, this was another one where the Clippers spent a lot of time trying to get Trey Young on Kawhi, and the, Clip, and the Hawks just kept denying it. And so we're beginning to see more of this where teams just are not accepting the switch defensively like they usually do and making team deny it a few times and make them get laid into the shot clock. Um, that seems to be the number one trend I'm seeing late in games um, right now. I'll try to catch up on the rest of them and then Friday tomorrow. Um, we'll do an Ask LOJ show tomorrow for everyone. So I'll make sure I send that out. Make sure you send me your questions with the hashtag Ask LOJ. That'll be tomorrow's Friday edition of the program. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying the late game watches. We've seen some fun little trends um, as they go on and I'm trying to keep up with them. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's a lot, but it's fun. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in to Lockdown Jazz.